Welcome to a special recruiting edition of Football on the 40. On this episode, we will take a look at the big 2022 class for Texas and a few other programs, talk a little about NIL and what it means to the state of college football. Andy will give us a glimpse back at historical Texas recruiting with his legendary Longhorn moment, and then we will have a recruiting draft to close our show out. I'm Jake Robinson, and joining us are co-hosts Andrew Harris, Bowen Kai, and Kevin Mathis. Tonight, we have a special guest, UT BBA 2015 graduate, Longhorn recruiting aficionado, and soon-to-be father of two, also Josh Abbott superfan, Evan Baldwin. Evan, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. And can you confirm all of these descriptions? Thanks, Jake. Glad to be here. Uh, and yes, I can. Um, Lee and I, my wife, we're expecting um, our first two children um, in about two and a half months now. Um, and I have been to about 20 Josh Abbott concerts, give or take. And as far as the recruiting aficionado piece, uh, I am a, a small group leader at my church for a group of junior boys. So you can imagine that they are on the wire for recruiting news all day, every day. So a lot of the breaking news is brought to me by them. In particular, this year, all the students that are the Aggie fans, because uh, as we know, they had a historic haul. I'm surprised to hear that they're that interested in recruiting. That's kind of, I never would have guessed high school kids. Yeah, I mean, with the with how you know popular social media is and Twitter and Instagram, they are reposting all those edits all the time. That's, That's funny. cool. Well, Bowen? we're glad to have you. What uh, what's everybody been up to the last uh, month or so that we've kind of taken a break? Bowen became can, a Texan. Yeah, I can go first. I moved across the country back to Texas shedded the the income tax you know i heard all the stuff about six percent inflation i was just like yeah why don't we just get rid of state income tax that would that'll work and um got rid of my cali plates before i could get egged in my neighborhood so we're all set it's like i was never there you know so yeah glad to be back had one freeze had a boil water notice Feels good to be back in be back in the great state of Texas. <laughs> How's the new house treating you? New house is good. Buying all the furniture, stuff's coming in. So, yeah, can't what's, complain. What's your favorite thing about the house that you didn't expect? Ooh, that is a good question. I think it's a, I think it's a cheesy answer, but our our dog loves how much space he has. We had like eight. 800 square feet in Oakland and we've like two and a half times that not not quite but yeah just a lot more space for him to run around that's been nice it's been really nice for us and him what about you Kevin what's been new uh Laurel and I are also expecting um that's new kind of oh yeah that 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 hasn't been announced we announced Andy on the last one yeah we actually lots of new dads we actually uh you know, didn't do the Instagram post just so I could announce it here live on Football on the 40. I am touched. Uh, breaking. Yeah. <laughs> breaking news. Newest Texas recruit just signed. Um, yeah, that's that's been new and fun. We had a great holiday season. Um, it was great to have a gap in football games so that I could have just like steady, uh, you know, steady emotions throughout the last two months and no, no heartbreaks. That's been huge. 
man. Well, not not too much uh, to update y'all with me. Um, we're renovating our kitchen right now, so I guess that's like the biggest thing going on. But outside of that, you know, pretty simple life other than um, expecting to be a dad as well. What kind of style are y'all going for with this kitchen remodel? We're going with Mediterranean. Mediterranean. Yeah. I got to Google that. I don't know what a Mediterranean kitchen looks like. Yeah, it's what does that look like? It's kind of, to be honest, it's kind of a mix of Mediterranean versus like a fusion of Mediterranean and like American concepts. It's kind of, I don't think a Google search would like suffice. <laughs> yeah, I see like a bunch of different kitchens. You have a cool, go-to though. Mediterranean restaurant that you go to? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, uh, Mary Page just generally liked the design of that, and I did too. So um, that's what we decided to go with. So. Is your microwave still going to be in a cabinet? Maybe. You got to wait and, and find out. Can't wait. Got to protect against the EMFs, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, Jake, what about you? Yeah. I, I don't have as much. I mean, y- you all are announcing the birth of children coming soon and moving across the country and, and all of that good stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm just living my best life here in Austin and uh, trying not to die from all of the boil water notices that we have regularly now. Um, but let's move on. Let's get into some recruiting. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, just some standouts in recruiting, some recruiting class updates. Um, Got to start out, though, with uh, hating on OU a little bit. That's our favorite thing to do um, here. So Caleb Williams is going to USC following Lincoln Riley. Um, a host of other players are going. What are y'all's thoughts on these moves? Man, it's a... Uh... It's officially official with Caleb going to USC following Lincoln Riley. Um, you know, I I think it definitely hurts OU more than it benefits USC, even though Caleb is an amazing athlete. Um, I think he'll do a great job at USC, but they still need some other players to um, finish out their roster. And I don't think that will happen this year. But uh, Caleb leaving OU, I really think that minimizes their ceiling. Uh, for this year and um, yes ever since <clears throat> ever since the Bedlam game um, I saw the snippet from an athletic article and I, I'll read it real quick just to show the impact of of what OU is missing uh, so from the article it says Oklahoma has lost its head coach both 2021 starting quarterbacks its top two rushers four of its top five pass catchers um, three of three of the five starting offensive linemen, three of its top four tacklers, and three uh, in in the top three sack leaders from the team. So I mean, it's just a huge impact that OU has lost this year, and you know, OU has proven us wrong in the past, but I, I just have a hard time seeing them living up to the same expectations as previous years. Yeah, I totally agree, Andy. It's like a it's a complete culture shift for them and a complete change of identity. You go from Lincoln Riley and this high scoring, um, pretty prolific offense to a complete shift in head coaching philosophies. Right, bringing in Brent Brent Venables from from Clemson, who's been the the defensive coordinator there for a while, and 
just a complete shift of, of who they're going to be. I think it'll be interesting to see how quickly they can adjust to, um, to, to that new identity. Just to add on to all that, I'm, I'm shocked by how many players have left. I, we all expected some turnover, but I've never seen that many starting players transfer away from a program for any reason. So I don't even know if they'll be in like the top four in the conference next season. Maybe that's an overreaction, but to lose that much talent, we're really going to be playing like their, their practice squad next year. Wow. Dang. I think it's I hope, also, go ahead, Jake. I think it's also just time to bring in the, the fact that uh, a way too early top 25 ranking has already come out. And OU is inside that top 25 and Texas is not. So not that it means anything at all, but I guess their third strings are also pretty good. <laughs> That's surprising. Was that before or after Caleb transferring? It was NCAA.com and it came out um, on January 29th. So about a week and a half ago. Was it titled way too early? Yes. <laughs> It What's was from, person? it was from, okay. So it was posted on NCAA.com, but it was Bleacher Reports, Adam Kramer that had, that made the rankings. That's really interesting. And even despite all the turnover, they still managed to land a, a number eight ranked class in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the class rankings, um, I thought it was, it was, we should talk about that a little bit. So A&M, number one, we'll talk about more, uh, uh, more about them here in a minute. Y'all could jump in whenever. Alabama, Georgia, no surprise there. Ohio State, Texas came in at five, which is really strong showing for Sarkeesian's first recruiting class. Um, Penn State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Michigan, and North Carolina rounded off the top 10. I thought it was really interesting. North Carolina, um, is the only ACC team in the top 10. They're coming off of a horrible season, um, way underperforming expectations, but Mac Brown's a recruiter. So he, uh, he found a way to still get a top 10 class. That's pretty awesome. He's called Mr. February for a reason. <laughs> Have you all been keeping up with all the Michigan shuffle this past week with Harbaugh potentially like interviewing for the NFL and then his, um, I think his OC leaving for Miami. Pretty interesting. Yeah, so he lost his OC and defensive coordinator. Yeah. Was it, wasn't it reported that he was going to leave and then he came out and said, you know, no, I yes, I interviewed, but I didn't accept the offer. Yeah. Has he, has he not left yet, technically? He No, he said he's staying. So yeah, he's he staying. took the interview. But yeah, it's like you said, like he was like, I interviewed, <laughs> but it's all good. Um, but even that, like, I think had a pretty significant impact in, We'll see. I mean, hopefully the, well, we'll see how, how much the recruiting class helps, but I think Michigan is definitely had that coaching turnover is de definitely going to affect the program. But he also let the narrative stay there for like two weeks. So I think he, he thought he had the job and then oops, didn't get the job. I'm staying. That's kind of what it sounded like to me. Maybe trying to get more money <laughs> out of Michigan. I mean, they kept him, they committed to him after a lot of bad seasons. So might have been leveraged to yeah. get I don't know, he, an extension or something like that. I remember well, he like he took a pay cut last year. I'm yeah, he sure. took a huge pay cut and like donated all his incentives too. So I don't know what the move was. And he could have gotten whatever he wanted after he made the playoff this year. Like it, it was weird. He's a weird <laughs> he, dude though. The guy doesn't need that much money though. He 
wears like $13 pants to every game. <laughs> that is a true statement. But I mean, how oh crazy would that have been in an offseason already full of coaching turnover to have the Michigan job come open too? I mean, think about how many jobs have already come open and been filled. It's yeah. true. It's a bad year to be looking for a head coach. So we've also had uh, a lot of movement in the transfer portal. Um, any any specific moves that jump out to y'all? We've had a lot of quarterback moves this year in particular. Um, I mean, all the way down the roster, there's there's always transfer portal moves, but big names that were like known on their campus as being the, the big guy at the position are leaving. Yeah, I mean – he's probably not the quarterback that nationally you would start with if this conversation wasn't related to Texas, but very significant for us is that Casey Thompson's now transferred from Texas to Nebraska. Um, also on this list, I'm seeing that Nebraska's starter previously transferred to Kansas state kind of opening that role, but for our offense, especially, I mean, I'm trying to think how that's going to influence Bijan because Bijan and Casey were really close and did some NIL deals together last year i know they you know were great friends so i always wondered if casey would stick around or if they would figure out a way to get hudson card out the door so that Bijan's buddy could still be on the roster but kind of sad to see casey go after playing so hard for us for you know a rough last season i hope he's successful in nebraska and i'm glad he's not in our conference <laughs> yeah that that nebraska move is also really the adrian martinez moving from nebraska to kansas state is really significant because he was uh scott frost's like golden boy and scott frost has been at nebraska i think for four seasons now three or, i think he's been there four years and adrian martinez has been his quarterback at least three of those years so for him to leave is like a very calculated move by the program as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will point out, so Hunter Johnson's pretty interesting because he originally started at Clemson, transferred to Northwestern. Now he's transferring back to Clemson. So, you know, good snip, snap, snip, snap situation. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, go ahead, Jake. I was just asking, isn't, isn't that the first time that um, – um, oh, my gosh, I'm blanking. What is the Clemson's coach's name? Dabo. <laughs> isn't that the first time Dabo has ever uh, used the portal for anybody? I think that was, like, a big story when he's, like, bringing back a former Clemson guy because he's very against the transfer portal. I guess so. I don't know. I, I, I don't know either way. Um, but – Another, another. I, I don't know the names of these players, but I thought it was interesting that the Wyoming starting quarterback and the Utah State quarterback uh, from this past year switched. So the Utah State quarterback went to Wyoming and the Wyoming quarterback went to Utah State. So like a legit trade. Um, I don't know who that benefits more, but I um, thought that was interesting as well. Good stuff. Um, let's talk a little about a little bit about NIL and its impact on this recruiting class. So, who wants to jump in and talk about Texas A and M's gold mine? I think that's a good topic for Evan. Well, I mean, we we heard it from the man himself, Jimbo, um, after he was called out um, on National Signing Day. Um, 
you know, I think it's going to change the landscape of college football um, in a big way. I think you're going to see the bigger schools and the richer schools get richer. Um, I don't think it's going to completely eliminate schools that can't necessarily pay the same, but it's going to be, it's going to be difficult moving forward here. Um, I think that combined with the transfer portal is going to completely change the game of college football as we know it. Um, all, all kind of coinciding with conference realignment too. I think these next five to 10 years are going to be extremely fascinating um, just in the, the entire landscape of it. What we're, I guess, summarize what he was called out for and what his response was. I saw a clip of him, you know, angry on Feinbaum or something like that, but what was that controversy over? Yeah. So it, it was Lane Kiffin, I believe during his national signing day, press conference and he started to play the excuse well you know we can't we can't come up with these same kind of deals that the big boys can and I I believe you know I believe I might be wrong in this but I think he quoted A&M specifically and said you know schools like A&M that can throw out all this money um, and then fast forward to to Jimbo signing day uh, press conference he really calls him out and says you know these people don't know what they're talking about there's this was this kind of ghost writer on a site hasn't been confirmed. Um, so it's just a, a, just a fiasco of our future SEC foes going <laughs> at it. I kind of took that to mean that to some extent, a lot of that NIL action is, is out of the influence of a head football coach, which I think is kind of what was irking Jimbo too. You've got high powered alumni and, and, business people kind of involved in influencing his recruiting efforts. And he really might not be aware of large sums of money coming together for his program. And he probably doesn't have any influence over it. So that it, it may be real, like him not knowing about it and him denying it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a factor. And if I'm him, he's probably feeling less influence and, and power over what his program's recruiting. You know what I mean? Like, we've legalized paying players. So it's almost like the coach's influence is now diminished. But people forget it is still against NCAA rules for a coach to use NIL directly as a means of recruiting. It, that is, that is not allowed. I don't think anyone's going to be punished for it because we're quickly moving to a complete free for all if we're not already there, but Offering players money to come to your school as an as a recruiting tool is not allowed. Yeah, I I I think uh, I I know it's not allowed, but I think a lot of schools blurred those lines this year, including Texas. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you got to admit, like, regardless of NIL, Jimbo is a really good recruiter. Um, I. I don't agree with Kevin completely, but I understand where he's coming from. Um, I, to me, I, I took away that like Jimbo, like felt like, I don't know. Um, to me, it seems like he was saying that NIL really didn't play a role at all. Um, and that they came to A&M purely on good intentions, nothing financially related and um with like Jacoby Matthews he wasn't he wasn't going to come to um to A&M and supposedly he was offered over 400,000 um and that was that's been reported by um people outside of message boards so 
I don't know if that's true or not, but it's kind of crazy how much money there is out there. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with schools advertising it as well. I mean, you want a player to be able to maximize you know, what he can for himself and for his family going forward. One, in, one injury can kind of ruin, someone, ruin someone's career too. And um, I mean, I think it's a good thing to advertise for a school. Yeah, I mean, the, the players, the players are the winners. They're, they're making a killing. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see, you know, what the truth is after, after they release the tax returns, you know, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, and Texas is, Texas is getting into it too. Like we have the, what I forgot what it was called, like pancakes for O-line or something like that. Where pancake we're, factory. Pancake factory. Yeah. Where every O-lineman on scholarship is getting like a hundred K. Right. And then, there was another initiative. I think we talked about it on a previous podcast where each player was going to get 50 K right. Or something like that. I can't remember it now. Um, yeah, certainly there's, there's tons of tons of money flowing around and it, it is early days. And the next question we had on our agenda was, you know, kind of talking through like which schools benefit and which schools are hurting. But I also want to kind of learn from y'all too is like, how do y'all see like as part of that, like how do y'all see like the landscape kind of shifting in like the next like five to 10 years, kind of like on a, on a bigger scale, like are the small market teams, you know, more affected big market? Like what is, what does that look like to y'all? Yeah. I think some the examples? NCAA is going to have to, to come up with something quick or else you're just going to see more and more parity and especially the recruiting classes. Right. I mean, we all know that a well-coached up, coached up three-star can can beat a five-star you know on any given day we've seen that many times being a Longhorn fan um but I think you know there's a real need for the NCAA to actually step up uh for the first time in my opinion about something and um come up with a good strategy moving forward or else you're going to see smaller schools I mean I think of you know the TCUs or the Washington States or um you know, so some of some of these other smaller schools that don't have the big alumni and donor base that big schools like Texas and A&M and Miami and some of these other established schools have, uh, or else it's going to continue to create more and more parity. So, and I've got some thoughts on how that impacts the, the small schools that, you know, have competitive three-star talent, but what would the proper action be from the NCAA? Because still you have uh, maximum numbers of scholarships that any school has, which sort of levels the playing field. It's not like a team can get a hundred players and, you know, get them all $300,000 a year through NIL money. There are still limits on scholarship players. Would you like put a cap on how much NIL money each player can make? Or like, what would the proper direction be to go if you're the NCAA? See, that's what I have a tough time seeing how they can regulate. I've, I agree with Evan. I think something will happen at some point, but I don't know what exactly because it's not it's not like the schools themselves are paying the players. It's boosters and donors giving them money, um, which was the point of NIL. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know what type of regulation you can really do to limit it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> I listen, I talk about some of the radio shows I listen to sometimes, and they've been saying this for a while. The genie is out of the bottle and the bottle's missing. This is net. We're never going back. Like 
we are only going to continue to get more and more and more open and player focused. Supreme Court ruled 9-0 against the NCAA last year um, to increasing benefits to students. Like we are very, very close, in my opinion, to a court case saying players have to be paid a portion of directly from the universities. Um, also, Texas and at least a dozen other states already have a law on the books saying players have the right to um, profit off of their name, image, and likeness, and that it can't be restricted. So if the NCAA comes in and writes a law, the University of Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, they don't comply with the NCAA first. They have to comply with state law first. So it doesn't matter what the NCAA does at this point, because everyone knows that all of the other states have their own guidelines. And they did that because the NCAA wasn't doing anything up front. Also, I think they're talking about a constitutional convention and determining what the view of uh, the NCAA is in the future of football. And should they have any stake in football? Should it be left up to the conferences? Um, all of that's happening. But I think we're moving toward probably a couple of super conference. I mean, the SEC is already going to be a super conference, but I think we're moving toward a 40 to 50 teams is all that exists in NCAA true division one um, big school football in the next five to 10 years. That, that kind of brings me back to the smaller schools and like Evan brought up the point of, you know, this time of year, we love to talk about highly rated recruits and kind of overemphasize their impact on the field. But the reality during the season is when we play the Kansas States and the Iowa States, um, our level of concern is just as high, regardless of what their recruiting classes looked like. And thinking about this, like which schools does it benefit and hurt? I think that this landscape actually helps schools like the Kansas States and Iowa States that are rec recruiting players and motivating them by the fact that they weren't offered by the University of Texas. So it almost strengthens that um, perspectives and maybe will motivate those players even more when they're playing the the Oklahoma's and the USC's and the Texas like football games are won by angry men not rich comfortable young men um, so I can also see a case where you know it makes January more entertaining and we can talk about these things now but the the three-star recruits have got a bigger chip on their shoulder now and on the field they're going to play like it so I'm not sure how much it matters during a regular season. We'll see over the next couple of years. That's a good point. That's a really good point that uh, we'll have to find out. All right, that's going to wrap up our broad picture overview of recruiting, NIL, transfer portal, all of that. Um, we will be back after a short break for Andy's legendary Longhorn moment. We'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, so for this legendary Longhorn moment, uh, we're going to focus on recruiting. Um, so I really didn't, growing up, I didn't, I didn't follow recruiting that closely. Um, but once I started getting the college years, kind of focused a little bit more on it. And uh, so, yeah, so one of the years, I think it was probably our junior year in college around that time. Um, there's a high school receiver uh, from Alito, Ryan Newsom. Um, he was a four-star at the time, so pretty good recruit. And um, it was going to come down to Texas and UCLA. And uh, it was just such a funny 
recruitment, not necessarily the whole recruitment, but just how he announced it. So uh, he gets up, it's on a, um, he's in his high school auditorium. Uh, I was watching with a buddy of mine and um, the stream was real glitchy, not very good. And we're watching and he does, he says all these different things, thinking it's coaches, blah, blah. And then he just decided um, to go with a prayer that lasted for over a minute. Uh, not out loud, though, uh, quietly to himself. And so everyone in the audience and everyone watching this stream um, were just like, well, what's he, what's he praying? What's going on there? And after a minute, he's like, I'm going to UCLA. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> like, had no idea, like, what was going on. Just out of the blue. It seemed like Texas had the lead prior to the announcement. So everyone was pretty shocked. And so. Um, yeah, so he commits to UCLA. Fast forward a couple of weeks, it's signing day. I remember waking up, not thinking anything of it for him. And I was watching the Longhorn Network at the time and I see um, his name popped up and it's like, and now a new uh, official signee of Texas, Ryan Newsom. <laughs> and so he just like completely flipped his, um, his mind and his pick and he ended up going to Texas, didn't really do anything at Texas, so it's kind of insignificant in, in the long term, but um, just kind of a funny story of how um, the recruiting cycle in general can have many twists and turns, and yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was just an interesting moment for sure. I want to go back and watch that and see how awkward it was on television to see the silence. <laughs> <laughs> it was extremely awkward. That's a cool story. Good moment, Andy. We are going to now we're going to move on into our recruiting draft. Um, I'm going to be the Roger Goodell of this uh, of this draft, so I will not be participating. I will just be the host. Um. As Kevin, Bowen, Andrew, and Evan make their Longhorn Dream Teams, the rules of the draft. The draft order was randomly selected and was literally just revealed to each of the players. They had no foreknowledge of their orders. The selections must be made up exclusively of 2022 Longhorn recruits and transfers. The goal is to build a team that will make an immediate impact on the overall Longhorn team and program. Each person will make five selections. Two of them must be defensive players. Uh, for the first pick, you have one minute to talk about your decision. And then from then on out, only 30 seconds per pick. Your time begins when I say your name. You are on the clock. It will be a snake draft. All timing issues and other disputes are left to my sole discretion. Are we ready to begin? Let's go. First pick. I tanked all last season just for this. This is rough. Last pick. Uh, last pick is rough here. Yeah. All right. So the order was Kevin and then Evan and then Andrew and then Bowen. So Kevin, you are on the clock. It's an honor to start us off here. I'm excited for this class. Uh, I think the team more than anything else needs some beef on the O-line. So unpopular first pick, but this one's for the uh, for the franchise. I'm going with ranked 10th nationally, 
first in his position and third in the state, drafting Devin Campbell out of Arlington, Texas, inside O-line. Let's oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I cannot believe I you did not see that. No one nope. saw that coming. My philosophy has always been that a, a five-star quarterback is going to look like <laughs> behind a bad offensive line. <laughs> and we've seen that for the last few years, haven't we? So, yeah, I, I feel very comfortable with that pick. O-line, we're building for the future. Immediate impact. That's good for Bichon. That's good for whoever the quarterback is. That's the pick. Wow. Thanks. Wow. <clears throat> well, uh, that was a very shocking first pick right off the bat. But happy birthday, Evan. You are on the clock. With the second pick in the 2022 draft for this podcast, um, Kevin, I respect your pick. I really do. I see where you're coming from, but there's just no way that I cannot pick the highest rated recruit of all time, Mr. Quinn Ewers, quarterback, transfer from Ohio State. Um, I think there's a lot of things at play here. I think it's really interesting how he decided to enroll early last year and didn't get there until probably a couple of weeks before they actually started. So he didn't get the spring. He didn't get the summer. Um, I think there were some NIL deals going on, but you know, being in that system, being in a, um, a college strength and, strength and conditioning program, um, I think it's going to have him more, more ready than if he was just coming from the high school ranks. Um, and I think he's going to be, I hope he's an immediate impact player. All right. All right. Dang, Quinn getting, is off the board. I'm getting flashbacks of like Odin Durant <laughs> draft, man. This is <laughs> wild. <laughs> All right. <laughs> With the third overall pick in the draft, Andrew, you are on the clock. And yeah, I, unfortunately, I was not gifted with the best pick of the draft. Um, kudos to, to Evan for making the right choice. So, um, yeah, so with the third pick overall, um, you know, I thought we had a pretty explosive offense last year. Um, obviously, we had Bijan. We had Xavier Worthy. Uh, at times, uh, Casey flashed. Um, Hudson did an adequate job at times as well. Um, but you know, I I want to stick with the offense. I want to focus on on um, making our offense even better um, because I don't know how great our defense will be this year. In our in our um, offense, is going to have to carry us. So with the third pick, I am going to go with Isaiah Nayor from Wyoming. Uh, and I'm super excited about that pick. Dang, Andy, nice that's a great pick. pick. He was definitely high on my draft board. Yeah. Guy was a two-star recruit out of high school. But he's I had a four-star a, transfer, baby. I had a stat pulled up for him, actually. So I heard on a podcast earlier this week that as a team, Wyoming only had 16 touchdowns. Last season, guess how many touchdowns? I think those are passing touchdowns. Guess how many touchdowns he had? I know the answer, so I'll let someone else go. I do as well. 12. 12 out of 16 touchdowns. Oh, my gosh. What balls he caught. So Bowen, Bowen you're, a, you're a data guy. What's the percentage there on that? <laughs> I mean, that's 75% of their passing touchdowns. is just nuts. I mean, he was... Obviously, the competition was not fierce, right? But you had to know he was—he had to have been yeah. getting doubled, 
safety help, you know, everywhere. So yeah, great think, pick, great pick, Andy. I'm, I'm a bit jealous. Yeah. I think there was uh, 15 guys last year that had 12 touchdowns or more and um, Xavier worthy and New York um, had uh, 12 touchdowns last year. So two of the 15. All right. Good pick. We are moving on. Bowen gets to make the final first round pick. Bowen, you're on the clock. All right. Yeah. I get, I get two back to back here. Um, but then man, I don't get to pick for a while. I think, you know, we, we obviously, it's no secret. I think on both sides of the ball in the trenches, we, we just need a lot of help. I think for my, and then I'm, my picks are going to be on both sides of those trenches. So first pick got to go with Calvin Banks, true tackle. I think from what I'm reading, like he could play left tackle or right tackle, depending on how Christian Jones kind of recovers and hopefully he improves with some more time with uh, coach flood, but yeah, I'm going to go with Kelvin banks. And then the second pick or my, sorry, my fifth pick, I'm going to go with justice Finkley. He's an early enrollee. We saw him, we saw some highlights on Twitter, um, you know, during the all American game of him taking some practice reps and he was just so explosive I think, you know, off coming off the edge. Another stat I had pulled up was no player that we had had more than two and a half sacks all season. Not a single player, right? We we need that. In years we've been good, right? We've had like Malik in the past, and we've always had a guy that was, you know, that we could count on. So those were, I think, getting getting help on both sides of the ball will definitely address an immediate need for us. To be... He's 6'2", but he's already 255 pounds. And he's coming right out of high school. Is that correct? That's yeah. pretty impressive how developed he already is at like 17, 18 years old. Yeah, he's he's fast for sure. Books right. and Greats. That was his mantra was books and ball. He's excited to go to the, the Dell mm-hmm. Medical School, Dell Medical School potentially. And so that is a great well. That is a great point, Evan. I actually Love that when we saw that on Twitter and I forgot to call it out as part of my draft analysis, but that makes me even higher on him. I probably would have taken him before Kelvin Banks, <laughs> giving him a bit of a higher salary. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that, Evan. And I love that. I mean, these are like 18, 19 year olds and, you know, we often forget that, but like that medical school is, is, is a serious, serious advantage and a huge benefit for, um, you know, for, for him and for anyone that's coming to Texas. That's that's awesome. And uh, our first defensive player off of the board. Remember, you all have to select at least two defensive players uh, during this. All right, we're into the second round now. Uh, so we are speeding it up a little bit. You have 30 seconds to talk about and make your pick. So we're going to move a lot faster through the second through five, fifth rounds. So with that, Andrew, you are on the clock. So, um, yeah, Jake said we had to pick two players on defense. Uh, Got to keep it fair. Totally understand that. Our defense needs a lot of help. I was going to go. I was going to pick Finkley. Uh, so thanks, Bo. Really appreciate that. Um, we we need help in the secondary badly. Um, West Virginia game vibes um, really let me down. So uh, I'm going to go with Ryan Watts, the other transfer from Ohio State. Andrew with another transfer. All right. Evan, who do you got? 
All right. Um, I like that pick as well. Um, I'm going to switch to the defensive side of the ball um, since Kevin left me a gift on the offensive side here. And so I, um, I think we were lacking a pass rush, pass rush last season. So I'm going to go with Jamon Tapp out of Louisiana. Um, from what I've been reading about him at the All-American Bowls that he was in, he just dominated the rest of the competition. I think he got a bit of a bump as well. Um, but I think he can come in and, and cause some damage early um, from, a, from a pass rushing perspective. Okay, Kevin, you are going to close out the second round here and make the first pick in the third round. Kevin, you are on the clock. All right. I am going to have a similar pick and strategy as Evan. I completely disagree with the statement that I left him a pick there in the first round. Uh, we'll see who busts after a couple seasons. It's not going to be my team. But um, I am going to take Christopher Ross. Defensive line, 6'3", 280. I need some big bodies in the middle. Christopher Ross is going to wreak havoc on third and short. And I can't wait to have him on my team. This guy was not even on my draft board. You're going to get a <laughs> terrible draft grade, Kevin. <laughs> now, Ross is a good player. I, I'll give Kev credit for that. Um, I agree. I, I, I agree. I think he's going to be a great player. I don't think our need right now is on the interior defensive line, but that's for others to discuss. Yeah. I was going to say something similar. <laughs> All right, Kevin, who's your other pick? For the start of the third round let's see i think i'm going to go back to the offensive side of the ball and take four-star wide receiver brennan thompson he comes in at 510 165 hopefully a speedster uh from spearman texas and he's ranked 21st in the state nice pick okay evan you are uh you are back on the clock all right, I'm going to stick on the defensive side of the ball. There's still some great players out there. Um, I'm going to go with Brian Allen Jr. from Alito. Um, I like that he's an early enrollee, and I like the need in the secondary. Um, I think he's got great instincts, and I think he's going to be able to come in. I think he has track speed, and I think he's going to be able to come in and make an impact in the first season. Um, so I'm going to go with Brian Allen Jr. There you go. All right, you have two defensive players, so lots of options for you, Evan. Moving forward, all right, Andrew. Uh, Andrew, you're on the clock. So I can, I can go with either defense or offense here. I feel like I have a lot of options. But uh, seeing the board, I think I have more defensive options going forward. So I'm going to take another transfer, keep keeping up with the theme. I'm going to go with Jaleel Billingsley. I do have high hopes for Sanders this year as a tight end but I think Billingsley brings something to the table that no other tight end can bring. So excited for him, excited for him to be on my team. Dang, Andy, yeah. that is such a good pick too. That was my next, I'm not even joking. That was my next pick. I mean, I think he, I had some commentary written up for him too. He was really hidden under the Bill O'Brien offense, you know, and I think Sark and uh, Mr. Banks, pole assassin, would really, really, I think he's going to thrive in, in our offense. So, man, lots of draft envy, but yeah, really, really great pick. All right, Bowen, you got, uh, you got two picks coming. Take it away. Okay. I think, let's see. 
Oof. Hesitation. I think, I think I'm going to have to go. I don't know how to pronounce this gentleman's name, so apologies for butchering it. But I'm going to go Neto Ume Ozulu, interior offensive lineman. I think he can definitely, you know, help a ton. He kind, I feel like at least, you know, I wouldn't say like I pay as nearly as much attention to recruiting as, you know, Evan and Andy, but from my, from my read, right? Like we had the number one offensive guard in Devin Campbell, but this guy was the number four in this position. And if we didn't have Devin Campbell, like he would already have been a huge kit for us. So um, I think he'll make a good impact. He's already on campus. Um, actually, well, hold on. I'm not actually sure if he's on campus. I would have written it down if he was, but I think he's, you know, we definitely need help on interior offensive line. So I think he'll be a big addition. Oh, man, I think. And your first pick in the fourth round. Okay. For my first, my first pick in the fourth round. Oh, so I only have one more pick after this, huh? Okay. Correct. Um, I think. Great pick. It might be a controversial one, but I'm. I think I'm going to go Savion Red. So he can play both sides of the ball. Wide receiver or you know outside linebacker. Only you know I think he was a three star, but that flexibility is nice. I mean we've seen other guys convert off you know to varying degrees of success, but I think that flexibility will be will be nice for us. All right, and Andrew, you are on the clock. So I need to round out my defense, um, Bo, and everyone else. I've talked about Savion Red, um, my my liking for him and what he could be for the team. But I thank you for not taking this player. Um, thank you for not doing that. Um, I'm going to take Terrence Brooks, uh, rounding out the secondary for me. Um, yeah, I just think he's going to be another stud as well and um, has a chance for early playing time as, um, this season. So I'm going to go with Terrence Brooks. Okay, Evan, you're awesome. on the clock. Um, I'm going to stick with, I'm, I'm going to switch back to offense here and position of need. We talked about, um, is on the offensive line. And there is one lineman that is actually enrolled early, which I think is going to be huge for his development. Um, uh, ranked as a four star by both rivals and ESPN, um, is Cole Hudson out of Frisco. Um, I think he's, he's listed at six, five, three fifteen, So he might have some position versus versatility. And I think he could be ready to go to maybe be a, a plug and play type player come the fall. Okay, Kevin, let's let's hear just the end of your your fourth round pick and then we're going to take a pause. So who who's your fourth round fourth pick? Let's see. I like more defensive line here. I'm going off the edge, Mr. Derek Brown. Angry men uh, on the line of scrimmage. Angry men, that's what we need. Okay. That is the end of the fourth round. We all, you each have one more pick left. I think you all have two defensive players in there. Um, so this is a free for all. I want you just to give me your pick and don't explain it at all. This should be a wild card here. You're just rounding out your team. No explanation, name, nothing else. Kevin, who are you taking? I want a safety, Larry Turner Gooden. All right, Larry Taylor Gooden. Turner you got dash Gooden. 
Okay, <laughs> who, who you got, Evan? I will take Will Stone, kicker. Ooh, all right. That's a good pick. All right. Good pick. That was a good pick. <laughs> now that Dicker's all right. gone. All right, Andrew, who you got? Uh, I really wish I could explain it because it would make a whole lot more sense, but I'm going to go with Lance St. Louis, the long snapper. Okay, explain it. <laughs> Dang. So, the, I... so, go ahead, go ahead. You know, typically you do not draft special teams. I get it. I know, I know that. But the name of the game is if this person isn't on your team, you have to go with the whatever players on the team. We don't have another long snapper. So the rest of your team <laughs> do not have a long snapper. So good luck with that. Andy, I know I sound like a broken record. Next that level. was my last pick. I, that was the same logic I wrote down in my notes. <laughs> Great pick. Luck of the draw. All right, Bowen, round All us good. out. Who's your final selection in the 2022 Longhorn draft? Yeah, I think um, my last pick, I'm going to go with best available on the board. For me, based on my analysis, that looks like Malik Murphy. I'm going to take Malik. I mean, I don't think he's going to have that instant impact, but he's going to be on the roster. I think based on what I have available, I think it's a good good hedge against Card and potentially Quinn if something drastic happens. Okay. Well, that concludes the draft. Um, I want each of you now to go through and read me your team and give me your overall takeaway. Kevin, who did you draft? We started hot with big bodies. Devin Campbell and Christopher Ross also took Brendan Thompson at wide receiver, uh, Derek Brown and Larry Turner dash Gooden. Feeling decent about it? I think I might have screwed it up in the middle there, um, but I'm convicted on that first pick. Devin Campbell, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, Evan, let's, uh, let's hear who you picked and uh, your takeaways. Uh, Kevin's mistake was my reward. I've got Quinn Ewers coming off the board first and then immediate pass rushing help with Jamon Tapp, um, immediate safety help and Brian Allen Jr. Some beef along the offensive line with Cole Hudson and then replacing Dicker the kicker. Uh, going back to our parameters of being need, I went with Will Stone. Andrew. Awesome. So Isaiah Nayor, Ryan Watts, Jaleel Billingsley, Terrence Brooks, and Lance St. Louis. You know, what I focused on is explosive players on offense and explosive stoppers on defense. I think I really hit that on the head and uh, really excited about my deep snapper. And Bowen. For sure. Yeah, so I got Kelvin Banks, Justice Finkley, starting off one and two, immediate help on both sides of the ball. We have Nito and Xavion coming up, um, you know, after, and I think a bit of development, I think they'll make a pretty good impact as well. And then Malik Murphy, I think that might be a bust, might be a long shot, but I think it's a pretty safe pick for us to, you know, have a high floor for, for the team. Okay, I want to open the floor now for y'all to kind of diss on each other, talk about who is uh, whose team looks best on paper, who's going to have who's going to have the highest bust rate, um, and what which has the most growth potential. But before we do that, I just want to remind our listeners 
Um, we are on social media at football on the 40 on Instagram and Twitter. Let us know whose team is the best tag us in a post, uh, direct message us, whatever you think here. And just uh, let us know which team is the best in your eyes and who made the biggest mistake, <laughs> Kevin. Um, all right. So what do y'all think? Well, you started it for us, Jake. I think we all know uh, where that one was going. <laughs> You know, I like I like Zevin's team. Yeah, same. I, I think he really nailed the first two picks, and I really like Brian Allen too. So first three picks, I think he he hit it right on the head. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of Isaiah Nayor. I mean, he was. I mean, those three players, those four players would have been my top four um, either way. However, it played through. Um, but I think Isaiah Nayor. I mean, if you look at how much receiving help that we need and how much like he could just step in right away. I think it's, he's going to be a, a huge addition. Yeah. I feel like there's so much like, um, I guess variance in the wide receiver room, right? Like if Whittington comes back healthy, that would be huge for us. And if Troy or mayor actually, you know, is able to make an impact on the season outside of practice, like we, we heard so much about him and then unfortunately he got hurt. So more more bodies in in the wide receiver room with with the new coach that I'm a huge fan of. I think he's probably my my new favorite coach, but yeah, I think the wide receiver room is going to be pretty special this year. Bowen, I think you had a good shot to have the best draft and took Malik Murphy last, which you, you know, I can't really criticize too much after the middle of my picks really sank my team here, but um, I thought Bowen was was on track to win this draft, but I hate to say it. I think Evan. I think Evan's team is the strongest. And Andy's Andy's would have been strong, but he picked St. Louis yeah, for just got no it. reason. <laughs> got I it had too. a great reason. <laughs> Campus. It was uh, the final round. <laughs> no, that was a, that was a fun draft though. Thanks for thanks for. Um, yeah, it was fun. Thanks, Commissioner Jake. That was that was great. Good idea. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of the draft, which also brings us to the end of this show. Um, we want to thank, first of all, Evan for joining us on this episode. It was fun. We will definitely have you back. And uh, in the meantime, you will just continue to get our incessant text messages and the group text. Um, also, thank you to our producer, Hamilton Lizer. He's the one that really puts this show together, uh, working a lot harder than all of us, that's for sure. So thanks to Ham. And, uh, and just a uh, note to the viewers, we will continue to come back to you over this offseason, um, over the next few months. They won't be weekly, like during the regular season, but they will be somewhat frequent. Um, I think we have a basketball special coming up. Maybe we can even touch on some baseball and uh, some more fun offseason football discussions. So with that being said, we are concluding this episode. Thank y'all for being with us as always, and we will catch you on the next Football on the 40.